Listen. The world is talking. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. Your health and the globe go together. You're living with the earth. It's not going to learn to live with you. And there's a word, word out there that we've been teaching each week on the Sharon Kleiner Hour. Dehydration is vital to your health. We want you to listen to us and other shows that we've had. Go into our archives and learn more about your health because you're living with the earth and how you learn to live with it is up to you personally. You need to take that responsibility for yourself. No one else is going to do it for you. But there's some simplicity to this. Don't make it too complex. You're made up of 10 trillion cells. The body must live in moisture in the air. It's called absolute humidity, moisture in the air. If you do not have it, the body gets drier and drier, The eyes get drier, the nasal passages get drier, the mouth gets drier, and you'll feel that. You'll get stress. You'll feel the stress first, and the skin will get drier. And we need to learn more about how to take better care of our eyes and our skin because that's what's facing the earth every day, living with it. You get up in the morning, you look at the climate of the earth, you're living with that same organism, a climate of the earth. So listen to the show each week and learn more. You can go to the Sharon Kleiner Hour at yahoo.com and learn more and ask me questions. You can go to the website of our sponsor uh, with Biologic Aquas, naturestears.com, learn more. And, uh, and uh, then you could go forward ex- uh, to learn more about uh, on the shows each week of what you need to do uh, to learn more about the word dehydration. Uh, today, we've had a cancellation of our guest at the last moment, and what we will do is we'll bring Art Bernstein on, and we're just going to discuss the earth and the organism of how we can learn to live with it and the nature of the earth. Uh, we will have Art Bernstein in just a moment. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and we'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Power of water, global warming. Many people are probably wondering, I have been in research for over 30 years studying dehydration, and I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research Center, and we're the company that has put products on the market at request of different companies and doctors to put an empower, your personal empowerment of moisture level into the air. In other words, you have a portable device, uh, 
of carrying moisture level humidity around. For example, like you put on, apply your lip balm. And lip balm, as I've asked people, why are you wearing lip balm? And they say, well, my lips are dry. And I'll say, but why do your lips get dry? It's because of dry air. And I said, that's what this is all about, is when the air is getting drier and drier. There was even an Associated Press story recently that said that the dry air can cause the flu. And I had learned years ago in my research, it can cause many symptoms that are so obvious that we've been overlooking them in our research. In other words, the moment you were born, you entered into the air you breathe. And at that moment, you left a water bag that was protecting you for all those months. And all of a sudden, you begin an adventure called living in air. When you begin that moment, living in that spot, you have no two eyes like anybody else's eyes. Your skin on your complexion is like nobody else's skin. Your fingerprints are like no two other people's fingerprints. You are that unusual, but it's all dependent upon your dehydration. When you were born, you opened your eyelid at that second, and all of a sudden, you begin another adventure. When the eyes are not covered by the eyelid that moment, that organ of the eye is exposed to the air. The eye organ has a clear film called tear film, three layers. It has the lipid layer, the first layer, the middle layer, the aqueous layer, which is your water protective layer and your immunity protection layer, and then the mucin layer that's connected to the cornea. Now, if the air is dry, you will have a dry eye. Everybody has a dry eye. It's not because you complain uh, that, oh, I'm itching and I'm burning and, and I can't see. But if you're wearing glasses, you've had a dry eye because the depletion of the dehydration caused you to wear glasses. If you have uh, wearing contacts, it's because you were wearing glasses and you wanted to wear contacts, but contacts do soak up moisture. If you have an allergy, if you get drowsy easy, if you find yourself getting very stressed easy, you wanted to close your eyes more commonly. Everybody has a dry eye from birth. Because the eyes, when the eyelid is open, must have moisture coming from the air to absorb, to give you the immunity protection, but also should the skin. Today we were going to have uh, Linda Shanks on from Palm Desert, a skin esthetician, and she, at the last second, could not come on. But your skin is the most vital organ of your body because that's your barrier, that's your dam. In my research I learned years ago, that there will be more commonly skin cancer in time because the air is too dry and our skin is too dry. And when your skin is dry, you can't lubricate, you can't detoxify. It backs up the toxin into the cells like a dam. That is what's causing a lot of symptoms and diseases. So that's why when Associated Press from the National Science of Health had said, it's research center that dry air can cause, can cause the flu, Dry air can cause your sinuses. Dry air can cause your stress. Dry air can cause your viruses. Uh, uh, you, you can go on and on and on what is happening to the air you're living in. The skin is your filter system. You flush more through the skin every day with toxification than, that you should than you would be flushing the toilet. So you need to learn that drinking water is vital. 
And when you're knowing that Earth is depleting with its water, its fresh water, that 1.1 billion people in the world do not have access to safe water. 2.6 billion people in the world do not have access to good sanitation. 1.8 million children every year as a result of diseases, unclean water, and sanitation. There's about 5,000 deaths a day with children because they do not have safe sanitation, healthy water. And we just said that life and death is your dehydration caused by moisture levels that you need water. Water is vital. Without water, there is no earth. And without water, there is no health. As we should be saying to the world and to the powers of all God above, pray for safe water, long-term water for health, and also the earth to exist because it will not exist without the water. And the nature of the earth, we must learn to live with that nature. Don't fight the nature of it. Flow with the nature. But you need to learn to drink at least 8 to 10 glasses, cups of water a day. You need to learn to eat your green vegetables. You need to learn to get plenty of sleep. You need to learn to take personal responsibility for your actions. When you learn to take personal responsibility and learn how to take better care of your health, you will find you are the ecosystem. And as Tom and Ratzett and I talked last week, the ecosystem is everything affecting the ecosystem. Everything is eco together. You and I affect the world as an ecosystem. The tree planted, the blade of grass, the bird flying, everything you can imagine with nature is an ecosystem. We need to learn how to work with each other. Be understanding, be respectable with integrity, dignity, and, and provide all the of the humility and humbleness we can because that will provide the ecosystem to deal with all of the elements of the nature of our earth. And we're going through a lot right now and going through the stress of the world with occupational problems and, and people losing jobs. I've had people say, I lost my job after 25 years and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I said, dive into taking care of yourself. I've had other people worried about losing their job. Learn how to take care of yourself. If you're looking for a job, take care of your health because then you will be healthy looking for a job. Don't ever look at anything in the ecosystem as a standstill. You flow. You have the power to take responsibility, but the positiveness of your outlook is going to be vital. Do everything you can to be in the Olympic training for the Olympics of good jobs, good health, good attitude, positive thinking, and the earth will move on. The ecosystem will move on. And all of these challenges and obstacles will become your health. And if you're healthy and you're feeling good about your attitude and your flow, don't let anybody's negatives concern you. You have your flow, your negative. Drink more water every time. Eat green vegetables. Eat your fruits. Get into nature. Start diving into studying on the web how you can take better care of yourself. The children of the world need it because the children are depending upon us as adults living in this world to make a better life for them from eternity. I wanted to tell you the population of the United States last week grew by 48,074 people. 
the world grew by 1,518,545 people, people. That means there's more people coming to the earth to live with the earth as a family earth. And we must learn how to live healthy with the ecosystem that the nature of the earth is giving us. That is our payback to the earth for giving us this opportunity. Uh, Art, are you with us? I am. Good. Thank you for coming on earlier. Our guest couldn't make it today. And uh, I think what we might do, because you have a master's degree in anthropology and, and in forestry, I think what we might do is talk to individuals about something you learned before we get into our subject today in Alaska is your feedback on what is happening uh, with the climate change and what is happening uh, out there in uh, the world uh, with the ecosystem. You must have some opinions, and we're not going to keep you, we're not going to stick you to the wall and say, well, whether we agree or not. Uh, But we'd like to hear your opinions, Art. Because you've been at this a long time. You write natural uh, uh, nature books. You, try, you hike all the time. You touch the nature with your feet as you hike around uh, the mountains and learning more about the streams and the lakes and, and the nature of our lives. Uh, give us some opinions on what you believe is happening here. Well, I've, I've been looking for signs of climate change. I first got interested in this when we had a 10-year drought in the 70s. And I flew over the wild rogue wilderness in an airplane, and there were just all these dead trees that were drought-stressed. And uh, I got to one, and I said, how dry would it have to get before all the trees died and, and, you know, there was major changes in the ecosystem and different start plants started, you know, desert plants started invading, and, you know, and, and we had nothing but sand or grassland. Um, well, then we had a bunch of very wet years. So, um, including the wettest, snowiest winter, I don't know, was it seven, eight years ago that we'd ever had in history? Mm-hmm. Um, well, there is some conversation going on with Yeah, I, I understand that uh, you know, at, at the very, very fringes, there is some movement of, of back and forth. Um, sagebrush is now starting to be found in, in, you know, just a little bit further up the mountain than it used to be. Um, so, you know, that that is happening, and, and uh, in general, you know, the, the earth is warming up. Now, have you heard anything about the latest iceberg that they found that was as big as, uh, I think they said the state of California or one of the states, that they didn't even know was there? <laughs> I read about it briefly. Yeah, uh, so there's a lot of... I just can't imagine it, because the icebergs that I saw in Alaska were all you know, little tiny things. Yeah, they found an iceberg that was as enormous that had not been found before. Yeah, it was like 100 miles long or something. Yeah, and the thing is, is obviously, uh, the evalu- I'm going to call it the evaluation of a lot of investigation. Could we know enough? No. Is there something changing every single moment with an organism of life and Earth? Yes. So when we're but we're talking about climate change, and what is your opinion about climate change uh, around the world? Uh, I believe it's, it's the climate is always changing. 
Uh, you know, sometimes it gets a little warmer, sometimes it gets a little cooler. I think uh, it's always been true that uh, we needed to watch out for the impression that we make on the environment. Um, you know, there's, there's no denying that. Now, when you said watch out for the impression we make on the environment, what is that, that defined to be? Well, you know, I mean, as a hiker, you know, they have these signs up that says, don't cut across switchbacks. And I've seen, you know, you know, people like to take a shortcut. And I guess humans always like to take shortcuts. That's human nature is to, to take shortcuts. Well, guess what? So we learned that. Oh, you take a shortcut. Art, let me interfere for a second. The econo- I call the econ- economy, economic yeah. climate. It, it, do you think that that is what was proven with many people on our earth? They wanted to take shortcuts with the economy? I think you I did think, it right. Uh, yeah. yeah, people don't want to learn to explore and take it a moment at a time and understand the exploration, they want and make it long-term, they want to take shortcuts. So you're saying that people are wanting to go out into nature and they don't follow the path. Yeah, exactly. And the path is designed, because I've worked on trail crews and I've worked with people that design trails, they're designed to channel water. Um, because if you, if, it's, if you put a trail the wrong way, then it becomes a creek. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, it becomes a ravine. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, it becomes an unusable trail. And if you want to have minimal impact on the environment, then you wind the trail around and sort of contour it mm-hmm. so that the uh, that doesn't happen. But when you start cutting across trails, then you're creating erosion channels. Okay. You, you can't run a trail straight up and down a hill. Okay, explain that to us. Uh, okay, uh so let's say uh, this sh- we're talking soil, and we're talking uh, the soil, the type of soil that is where, what about when you're over in an area where you've got the red soil, like a clay soil, then you go over to another area that's more like a, 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 um, another type of soil, more rocky. Yeah, there's all different kinds of soils, and every one of them has a rating uh, to Tell us about that a little bit. That might be fun for people because we we talk about nature, but when I hike, I look at the soil, and I look at the rock around the soil for fun because it's part of the hike and the ferns and what is the vegetation. But when a person's hiking along and you're you're looking, what type of soils are we made up of here in North America? North America? Mm -hmm. Uh, Mostly alluvial soils. uh, Of what kind? Alluvial. That means... uh, broken down from rock. Well, I guess they're all alluvial. Alluvial is uh, kind of like a floodplain. Mm-hmm. But um, now what I'm, what, the okay, mountains I'm of the Pacific Northwest mostly come from, uh, from lava. Okay. Um, the mountains in the Siskiyous, uh, there's a, a high iron deposit. That's where you get a lot of red soils. Uh, California is famous for having red soils. Mm-hmm. Which is a, which is a high iron content. Mm-hmm. Now, isn't it fascinating? You can go to the East Coast and you get a base sand in one area, like over in Virginia yeah. Beach in that area. You go over to New Jersey, you get more of a white sand. You come to the West Coast on the ocean and you get a gray sand. What does that show? What does that mean? 
Have you ever been to a black sand beach? No, I never have. We have black sand beaches in Hawaii, uh, and there's there's some on the northern California coast that you can't get to. I saw one once. From, uh, now, why is it black? Uh, I'm trying to think of a mineral that might be in it. It's probably basalt, mm-hmm. uh, which is a kind of lava. Mm-hmm. It is black. So it depends upon all the volcanoes and the earthquakes is what's influencing all that. Well, yeah, it depends on, you know, whatever. We're going to take a moment with our sponsor, and we're going to come back, and we're going to discuss the Glacier Bay National Park with you in Alaska. That sounds like it's going to be a real exciting, uh, uh, because now we're learning more about from you about the soil and rock and volcanoes and, and, and certain influences that the Earth is having. and at different times and through thousands of years. And let's see if we can get people to understand the ecosystem of that, too. We're going to listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back. We're going to listen to Nature's Gears Eye Mist, a natural method of moisturizing your eye with just a mist. is talking the world is talking world talk radio studio a discover the secret of nature's tears eye mist an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops when your tear film is dry your eyes feel dry nature's tears eye mist naturally supplements the tear film with biologic aqua absolute premium standard grade of pure all-natural water nature's tears eye mist just a mist all natural safe convenient no preservatives Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. We're talking with Art Bernstein today. He's from Gold Hill, Oregon. Um, He has a master's degree in uh, forestry and one in anthropology. And we have Art comes on with me many times through the years. Uh, enjoying his background and helping me with my research and what I do with the nature of Earth and studies to so I can get to bio, the biochemically the understanding of our nature of us, of the human species. Art, tell us about, you were excited to talk to us about uh, the Glacier Bay National Park in Alaska. Yeah. Uh, as it happens, I've been there. Um First, I want to set the scene. Okay. And that's uh, Captain George Vancouver, after whom uh, Vancouver, Oregon, Vancouver, Washington is named. Mm-hmm. He's uh, sailing along the southern coast of Alaska, and he comes to this 20-mile-wide, 4,000-foot-high wall of ice. And it's one giant glacier. It's like, uh, it's almost... Uh, the size of a a continental ice cap. It's so big. I mean, you know, that is a massive, massive glacier. And he sails along the coast, and he notes, you know, there's a, there's a great big glacier going into the ocean at that point. You know, and it's, it's huge. It's, it's 20 miles wide, 4,000 feet thick. In 18, this was in 1794. In 1879, the famous naturalist John Muir visited the same area, 
and that immense 4,020-mile-wide glacier had retreated 30 miles up the bay. So there's now a 30-mile-deep bay where, where Vancouver left, and uh, at the mouth of the bay is 100-year-old trees. And um, This is Vancouver, Canada. This No, this is uh, in southeast Alaska. Oh, okay. Northwest Why of, did they call it Vancouver? Know, about 100 miles. You we're calling it Vancouver. Oh, Captain George Vancouver. Was oh, yes, it's Captain George Vancouver was the explorer who found it. He discovered it in 1794. Okay. But when he discovered it, there wasn't a bay there at all. There was oh. a wall of ice uh-huh. 20 miles wide and 4,000 feet thick. 1879, John Muir goes there. There's a 30 mile. You got to go 30 miles up the bay before you get to the glacier, mm-hmm. and the glacier's still there. And there's a bunch of little side glaciers. And in 1915, John Muir wrote a book called Travels in Alaska, and this is what he wrote in 1915, talking about his voyage in 1879 by John Muir. Glacier Bay is undoubtedly young as yet. Vancouver's chart, made only a century ago, shows no trace of it. It seems probable, therefore, that even then the entire bay was occupied by a glacier, of which all those described above, he just just got through describing a bunch of the glaciers that he saw. Great though they are, are only tributaries. Charlie, who was somebody who was with him, who was here when he was a boy, said that the place had so changed that he hardly recognized it. So many new islands had been born in the meantime, and so much ice had vanished. Huh, way back then. Yeah, and this was... They would call uh, it global warming. In 1915, about a trip he took in 1879. Uh-huh. So... Now, where would they go to the website to look up this um, Glacier well, Bay? Anyway, today, Glacier Bay is 65 miles deep. Deep? Yeah. Um, if you turn up from the ocean... And head up Glacier Bay, it's 65 miles before you come to the end of it. Mm-hmm. It's 20 miles wide and 65 miles deep, long. Okay, you there? Yeah, um, I was trying to vision uh, oh. 25 well, miles I mean, wide, 65 miles In 1894, miles there deep. wasn't any bay at all. Now, it, 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 what, it, what is happening today? The glacier still ret- the glacier between 18. 18- between 1794 and 1879, the glacier retreated 30 miles mm-hmm. up, you know, and, and so that and formed a big bay in front of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's now, since then, it's retreated another 35 miles. Mm-hmm. So the bay, if you were to from the mouth of the bay to the upper end of the bay, is now 65 miles. Mm-hmm. Now you were telling us one time now, let me about. As you travel around the bay, there are 16 named glaciers, and 10 of them still go into the ocean. And that's one of the most amazing things there is to see in the whole world, is glaciers that flow into the ocean. And when those glaciers are flowing into the ocean, do they also have the same kind of width and length? Pardon? When the glaciers are floating into the ocean, are they also floating in there with that same width and length? Uh, you know, what happens when they hit the water, they start to break up. Okay. So that's when you get little icebergs floating all over the place. Okay, now you were telling us one time about uh, up in Alaska, between Alaska and Russia, 
uh, an area where under the um, the glacier is one of the most enormous freshwater bodies of freshwater in the world. Well, that was in Antarctica. Antarctica. Yeah. And what? Do, do, repeat that again for me. Tell oh, us. Oh, it was like uh, there was a basin. And there was a mile deep polar ice cap in Antarctica, which is the South Pole. Um, and underneath that is melted water. And they don't know why the water is melted. Uh, they think it's been there, there for thousands of years, it. obviously. Pardon? Obviously, it's been there for thousands of years. Yeah, millions, anyway. Uh, and it turns out that there are more of these lakes. Um, the water under there is the uh, water that was deposited, you know, a million years ago or ten million years ago or whatever. It's never been exposed to the air. Um, now, didn't you say something? They'd like to have a look at it, but they'd have to drill a mile down, and didn't, and didn't they, you they say don't or want to take a chance of contaminating? I was reading it. somewhere where the Russia is starting to want to explore that more for their purposes. Right. Now, it's uh, it's in an area of Antarctica that's controlled by Russia, mm-hmm. and it's called Lake Vostok. Mm-hmm. So the only reason Russia is involved is because uh, it's just in an area of Antarctica. Because, you know, there's part of it controlled by the U.S., and part of it by Britain, and part of it by Australia, and part of it by Argentina, and part of it by Russia, and part of it by France. Mm-hmm. So, but there's that enormous body of fresh water that was found, and that was found not too many years ago. Right. How many years ago was that? About ten. Uh, I knew it when we talked about it, but I yeah, because it wasn't that long ago. Right. That that was founded, and uh, but it, most of it is uh, influenced by Russia ownership. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if it had been found in the U.S. sector, then then it would be. Mm-hmm. We probably well, back to the Glacier Bay already. National Park now. Uh, so they made Glacier Bay obviously a national park to in preserve 19, it. A national monument in 1924. Okay. Okay. I was there in 1981. Now, if you want to go to Glacier Bay National Park in Alaska, how do you get there? Ah, very interesting. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous for one thing. Uh, before we get done, I need to talk about the wildlife. Okay. Which is just as spectacular as the the glaciers that flow into the ocean are called tidewater glaciers, and uh, we uh, drove to uh, Seattle and we flew from Seattle to Juneau, which is the capital. Juneau is in the, the Panhandle, and then you take another little flight from Juneau to a Russian town called Gustavus. It has a Russian name. And from Gustavus, they put you on a bus. Now, wait a minute. Now, you went to Alaska, to Juneau, and then you drove to a Russian town? No, I flew from Juneau to a Russian. It's about 100 miles. Uh, A little airplane takes you to... to, uh, The name is Russian. The town is Alaskan. Oh, okay. There, thank you. Yeah, okay. Now, there's a little airplane uh, connected with West Tours. Mm-hmm. Um, they sent our luggage to Skagway, and they sent us to uh, 
to Glacier Bay. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, we we uh, got off the plane at Gustavus, or actually it's pronounced Gus Davis. You know, it was just, just <laughs> kind of weird. And then they, there's a bus. Uh, it's a 30 mile little paved road that goes to Glacier Bay Lodge mm-hmm. on Glacier Bay, and we spent uh, two nights at Glacier Bay Lodge. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there eating dinner, looking out on the bay, and my wife. Uh, sees a bald eagle fly by carrying a salmon out the window. Hmm. And it was amazing. And then the next day... Uh, I bet the salmon was just gorgeous because the water up there is so yeah. cold. I never had salmon blue. in my life. Like, it tasted like the most tender steak you yeah, could Yeah, because when imagine. salmon comes from cold, cold water. Yeah, the Alaskan salmon, I think I ate it every single meal that I yeah, was Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there's nothing more healthy... I've never had anything water salmon. Yeah. my whole life. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, well, then we took the, the bay cruise. They have a boat that you get on. We were sitting next to a druggist from Detroit which, who had just been to uh, Point Barrow. So he was having a, a trip. <laughs> and and his, uh, he was, what's, where's Point Barrow? Point Barrow is the northernmost uh, point in Alaska. Oh, Okay. Um, don't pretend like we don't pretend like we're t- you're teaching us that we don't yeah, know things. That, that's where Will Rogers' plane crashed. Oh, about five miles from Point Barrow. Huh. And there's a town of Barrow, which is the northernmost town, possibly in the world. Now, if a person wants to take the trip you just took, where did they go? Which website did they go to to learn more about that? Um, National Park Service. Uh, GLBA, I think it's, what is it, uh, www.gov. Uh, I don't know, I don't remember. Okay, uh, here, I'll follow. I've National got something Park. here. It says www.glacier, G-L-A-S, pardon me, G-L-A-C-I-E-R, B-A-Y, dot org. And they can go and find uh, and look up some of the national parks that are there yeah. in the area. However, a lot of cruise ships from San Francisco and Seattle go up there. Uh-huh. So you can, uh, instead of, you know, we stayed in a hotel in Juneau for 10 days. And, and, mm-hmm. and then we stayed at Glacier Bay Lodge for two days. That's, uh, you know. You, you can get on a Carnival cruise ship and just stay on the cruise ship and go through Glacier Yeah, but your trip sounds exciting to me. Yeah, we went on the little. Well, the, you know. I so mean, you flew. You flew in. List on the cruise ship. And you flew in to Juneau, Alaska. Then you made arrangements to go to what city? Then. Um, Gustavus. How do you spell that? G U S T A V U S. Okay, and then there there was a lodge. Uh, it's a thirty-mile bus ride to Glacier Bay Lodge. Oh my gosh, that sounds exciting! Uh, now, when you and got to the lodge, you know, where what? Glacier Bay Lodges, the trees are now two hundred years old. Now, when you got to the lodge, it, where and you were looking at... In 1794, where Glacier Bay Lodge is, was under 4,000 feet of glacial ice. Oh. And now, uh, you know, it's been out from under the ice for 200 years, mm-hmm. and there's uh, 200-year-old uh, hemlock trees growing there. Mm-hmm. Now, tell us about the wildlife. Uh, well, the entire bay is a humpback whale sanctuary. Humpback and, Whale Sanctuary. Yes, those those are the singing whales that they record and they make these little beeping noises. Mm-hmm. Um, 
We saw one that was unbelievable. I never saw anything like it in my life. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And then we saw about a half a dozen uh, killer whales, what they call orcas, hmm. which are actually giant dolphins. Now, when you're seeing those, did you have to go out on a boat or you saw them from the shore? How did you see them? We took the boat from Glacier Bay Lodge up to the upper end, so uh, the boat took us all the way up the bay, which is 65 miles, to uh, one of the Tidewater Glaciers, and we mm-hmm. went right up to the Tidewater Glacier, and there was uh, icebergs all over the place, but they weren't giant icebergs. They were like, you know, like 10 feet high and 20 feet across or 50 feet across. Mm-hmm. And for some, the seals just love to play in the icebergs. Oh, I bet. <laughs> they were just going nuts. They were having such a good time. Well, there must be a lot of fish in there, too. Coming up to the boat and begging food. And, uh, oh, it's very, very, very rich. Uh, that's why they're, they're, uh, these little plankton that the, the whales like to eat called krill, mm-hmm. it just has tons of it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, there's salmon in it, and there's all kinds yeah, of bird do, life. Did you see commercial fishermen out in the water because of that? I don't think there's commercial fishermen in Glacier Bay. Okay. That's great. Probably not all the National Park Service. Okay. There's also a 15,000-foot-high mountain, which we be. never saw. Yeah. But which, uh, which would have been the only mountain I'd ever seen higher than Mount Whitney. Mm-hmm. However, this, the, the sun never came out the whole time we were there. Oh, you were there when it was all a, a darkness for 24 hours? No, no, it was just overcast. Oh, okay. The mountain was covered in fog and clouds. Uh-huh. So, yeah, the the glacier, you can see it sometimes uh, around here, but there's, it's called the glacier blue. Mm-hmm. And it's this weird, spooky, iridescent When you say around blue. here, you mean in Oregon. Oh, it's just the most beautiful thing imaginable. When you're saying around here, you're saying around Oregon. Uh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. You catch glimpses of it. As you drive up mountain roads, you know, that have been plowed in the winter and it's starting to melt in the spring and mm-hmm. it's uh, getting these little holes and dips and things in it. And mm-hmm. if it's a bright, sunny day, you'll catch little glimpses deep inside the holes uh, as you go up towards Crater Lake of, of Glacier Blue. Really? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just gorgeous. Hmm. And well, my wife and I look for that as we, we drive up on... Uh, mm-hmm. On mountain roads that have like 10 or 20 How long ago was it that you got interested in hiking? Because you, how, how often a month do you hike? Well, I'm getting old and overweight. <laughs> I'm 66, and I, you know, I used to hike every weekend. Uh-huh. And, but I used to do it alone, too. But then I broke my leg, as you know. And, um, so long ago you decided, and uh, it, you grew up in Detroit? I grew up in Detroit in 1965. I graduated from University of Michigan with a degree in anthropology. And I had this crazy friend called John. He was from England. And he had an English accent, but he had a Greek last name because his, his father was Greek and his mother was, uh, was mm-hmm. British. So his name was John Spiromilios. Mm-hmm. And... He graduated law school the same day I got my degree from University of Michigan. President Johnson spoke at our graduation. And then he went out, enrolled in Berkeley to get a master's in economics. 
and he starts calling me. Oh, you got to come out here. Nothing but hippies. And yeah, All right, can we well. take a break and we'll be right okay. back? And you keep that thought. Okay. And uh, we'll find out what, why you came here to hike, though. And uh, we're going to take a moment with our sponsor with Biologic Aqua Research Center. And we're going to learn a little more about what dry eye and nature's tears eye mist is not an eye drop. It's an all-natural method of moisturizing the eye with just pure water, with just a mist. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Is talking. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. Studio A. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listening to the Sharon Climate Hour, the power of water and your health, climate change, and uh, how you should need to live on this planet as an ecosystem. We're with Art Bernstein today, who is a naturalist. Uh, he writes books on nature. He has a degree in anthropology and one in forestry. Uh, he's been at this many, many, many years. And I was just asking him, Art, when you moved to the West Coast, did you get influenced by what? What influenced you? Yeah, well, to start hiking. I, I went out because my friend was bugging me. He said, "Oh, you got to come out here. There's all kinds of stuff going on. It's interesting." So in summer of '66, I bought a little uh, convertible. And I drove out to the West Coast to, to visit my friend John. And it turns out that uh, the hippies and the flower child movement and all that didn't interest me at all. But what we started doing was uh, I just started going on weekend trips. And we went to Death Valley and we went to Lake Tahoe and we went to Yosemite. And uh, So you started putting your degrees to work. Yeah. And I just... I got so fascinated, you know, now, that Art, I, I'm ask you I would go home at night and I would go to the library and I would haul yeah. books out and I would I read everything by John. Now, Moore, you know, I've had many I people, went nuts, so. I've had many people through the period of time, uh, which will be soon two years with our show, heading park systems and national park directors. And I would ask them, what was the influence to get them into wanting to be in a park and a national park and the forest and uh, be part of the U.S. National uh, Forest Service? And they always said it was something at childhood. What happened yeah. in your childhood that maybe okay. was an influence to you? Uh, I think, well, my my parents were, I mean, I grew up in Detroit, you know, a big city. Um, my parents just liked to go on these long car trips. Mm-hmm. So when I was 11, they took us all to... Uh, to California, we went to Mount Rushmore, and we went to the Badlands, and we went to Lake Tahoe. So they take you from Detroit to around America to see the the nature of America, and then you go back to live in, in living in Detroit. Yeah, and 
I always, you know, I left Detroit as soon as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when you got up to every the, trip I go on, I'm replicating, I'm duplicating the. When you're up, at, when you're in Southern Oregon and you've been writing uh, the Bernstein hiking books all this time, and all. Uh, where is the most fascinating place you have been to be able that you've written about? Oh, <laughs> well, I, there's an 80 foot trail that I know of that will take you to another time dimension. But do you want to hear about that? Well, let's. Uh, I want to hear <laughs> a little bit about why people need to get out uh, yeah. and hike. We're under a lot of pressure and on the planet now. We're almost forgetting we're living with the planet. And right. the planet's not going to go with us. We need to flow with the planet. And getting out and going for a hike, smelling fresh air, uh, going to a distance to do that. Go out of your way to find the nature of your life. Smell fresh air. Touch yeah. the pine cone. And yet I've been 10 miles into wilderness areas where there's not another person you know, in any direction for miles and miles and miles. And I've heard the noise of trucks going down the highway. Mm-hmm. Now, when you have you ever gone hiking because you've done so much of it? When you took off, were you under any stress ever, and then all of a sudden you forgot the stress? Uh, that's hard to say. Well, a lot uh, of people I've talked to say, I, you know. I love hiking. It's, it's rejuvenating. It's restorative to me, and a lot of people feel that. Mm-hmm. But part of it is that you know you do have to be alert and you do have to be aware and you do have to make Let's sure discuss that, that, a little bit too, that uh, mountain lions don't get you attacked, and, you know, and stuff like we've that. We've had people attacked by a yeah. snake that they didn't know was going to be there, a rattlesnake. Uh, how do people? Think, what is the proper? What do they should they take with them when they're going hiking, on their backpack? Uh, wear the proper boots, as you found out, yeah. uh, for the ankles to be. Uh, 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 given the uh, support they need. But what do you take in your backpack to prepare Jacket, for food, something? Food, water, fire starter, and a little bit of first aid. Uh-huh. Um, I discovered when I broke my leg and didn't have any of that. Now, when um, you've ran into certain bears through the period of time, I've heard that the black bear is a little less uh, ferocious than the brown bear. Is, is Yeah. Um, the okay. only bears we have are black bears, and they'll, they'll usually run away, but... Uh, they're much bigger than you are, and you don't want to fool with them. And, right. You know. And they won't bother you as long as you don't have try to feed them. <laughs> as long as you don't try to feed them and as long as you don't get in between them and their cubs. Yeah. Yeah, what so about elk? Have, you, gonna, have you been around a lot bear, of elk? What's that? Have you been around a lot of elk? <laughs> yeah. Uh, elk is the biggest... Uh, Land mammal outside, you know, except for moose. Now, do people have to be careful of elk? Yeah, you know, they're they're like uh, at the shoulder, they're like seven or eight feet high, and at the antlers, they're like ten or twelve feet high. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was hiking once, and I came out on the trail, and the trail went right through a herd of male elk. Mm-hmm. And I was terrified. Mm-hmm. And I kept right on walking, and the elk never batted an eye, never looked at me, never paid the slightest bit of attention to me. So now, um, <laughs> what can I tell you? Let's get back to the water of the earth now. Um, uh, on this earth, with, the, uh, with what we have in the, um, with the glaciers, 
Yep. And what they're all the controversy of what is happening with glo- global climate change, global warming. I don't even think I want to say warming anymore. I just want to say climate change because it is changing. It has been forever. Yeah. Uh, what are you finding when you go out into your uh, the nature and your studies to prepare for your next book? What are you learning that is uh, the real definite change that people can notice that is the change uh, so they can see the climate is changing something? Is it less water? Um, boy, you know, I, I, I've watched for that. And, you know, I haven't seen anything real obvious. Uh, well, that's, this is what the problem is, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, you get a 10-year People are getting a lot of grants and foundations and bail money uh, to go out and study and which is very important, our earth should be for eternity. But do you believe that some of it, all that money, uh, there's an enormous amount of money, and it's going to be well over a billion dollars, it's going to be put into near future study and grants and foundations and more. Yeah. Do you believe that, uh, that it's going to be going toward uh, uh, real, real findings that have never been found before, that the, glo- the globe is not going to be here forever if, we don't be, if we're not careful. I, well, what I'm trying to say... Well, logically, at best, it's not going to hurt anything. At worst, you know, it might do everything that, you know, it's intended to do. Mm-hmm. So, if it's organized. You know, you know not at, waste. At, at worst, it's just a, a total waste of money, but I mean, it's not going to hurt anything. Right. I didn't mean it was going to hurt anything. Yeah, I know. So uh, Because there's been so much controversy with scientists saying, wait a minute, we don't agree. Uh, we believe the ecosystem, the Earth's organism, has had a change, but it always has. And there's certain yeah. things we must do on the Earth. My, my f- uh, evaluations is protect the fresh water. Protect and save the water. And all over the world, there should be fresh water, safe sanitation, so that the ecosystem of the earth can thrive with the organism of the water. People forget the water is an organism, too. It's life. Well, it's hard to argue with that. And yeah, life, water is a species. Logical. And as National Geographic wrote at one time, at least. I'd also hate to see him use up all the petroleum. And what National Geographic had pointed out, that water is an endangered species. Water is life. It makes oh, it life. Oh, absolutely is. Yeah. And uh, what we need to know is if, some, if, there's, if dry air is causing diseases, we're, cause, we're getting more dehydrated than ever on Earth because of dry air. My evaluations have been there's not enough fresh water in the streams, the lakes, the creeks, the rivers, because it's the fresh water yeah. coming in the air that provides the organism of the Earth's ecosystem to be able to thrive. But the good news is that the Earth has an incredible capacity to heal. And what I've always enjoyed doing was uh, going back and back and back to trails where there have been forest fires mm-hmm. and watch the healing and restorative process. And, and, you know, eventually... If you leave it alone and just let it do its thing, it'll come back. It'll heal. Yeah. I mean, if you keep on burning it down and burning it down and burning it down, you know, it'll take longer. Mm-hmm. But if you just leave it alone, it'll come. It'll heal. And what that's is, the you, miracle. You're, you have a degree in forestry. What is the philosophy that if there's been a forest fire, it really is healthy? And there are some plants that depend on repeated fires. And there's a tree called a lodgepole pine, and the the, uh, the cones 
won't open up and release seeds unless uh, you know it gets to be like 200 degrees. And the only way that'll happen is there's a forest fire. And how many years? How many years do you think in so, Oregon they have a forest fire in some areas? Uh, how many years in between? Some of them are 10 to 20 years. 10 to 20 years in between. And if you if you let it go for 50 years, then you have such a fuel buildup that you got a huge fire. And, you know. and an infestation of bugs and eating uh, yeah, yeah. healthy trees. And so there's some areas that they call you know 10 to 20 year forests. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't get a lot of big timber in those kinds of areas. Mm-hmm. But you'll get lodgepole pine, you'll get uh, manzanita, and you'll get ceanothus uh, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you giving us all your extra time today because we didn't have our guest Always my to pleasure. talk about the a life on Earth, with... but we will. Uh, uh, I need to discuss this again because it's one of my favorite subjects. So, what we'll do is thank you for joining us again. I really uh, learned a lot about the Glacier Bay National Park. I want to go there. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like that lodge would be exciting to visit. How many rooms does the lodge have before we go? I don't know, fifty, a hundred. Really? Yeah. I, 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 did I mention the bald eagles and the tufted? Yes, puffins? you did. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll have you on again because I just love to have a listen to what you had to say. Okay. Because uh, you've learned so much. But thank you for joining us and all the time you gave us today, Art. Oh, it's my pleasure. Have a nice day. Bye. Bye. Before we go, I wanted to discuss the skin uh, of your body and especially the complexion. Uh, the facial organ is, there's no two skins alike on the f- uh, complexion. Your eyes are open to the world. You need an, a nature's pH range balance to protect you from the diseases, give you an immunity protection. You must drink 8 to 10 glasses of water. You must every day clean the complexion every day so that you can detoxify the area around the eyes, the nasal passages, and, and around the mouth, and Keep the skin clean. Keep your skin clean at all times as you wash your hands. That will help you detoxify. The skin needs to have a bath once in a while because a bath will detoxify you. A shower only rinses you. Some of the tricks that I've learned through the years with skin treatments and, and young, healthy skin of the face is use the product and go to the web, Nature's Mist, to mist the skin with tissue culture grade water. So you mist, wash and rinse, give your, with, your, with your wash rag a little steaming of the face, then apply after rinsing, mist, and apply a sunscreen or a block or your creams. Keep a healthy complexion. It will help fight diseases. It is amazing how the aging of the skin and the drying of the skin also draws bacteria. Well, I want to thank you for listening today. If you have any questions, come to Sharon Klein Hour at yahoo.com. Ask the questions. I really appreciated your time. Earth has a secret. Embrace your life every moment. Earth is whispering. Never say goodbye. Leave your footprint. Have a nice day, and thank you for listening. The world is talking. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. Studio A.